So welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. We have successfully conquered the Silmarillion. We have successfully conquered the Silmarillion, though. It was a trial, but we did it. We're in for a bit of a tone shift over the next couple months. As we jump into all things The Hobbit. I want to I wanna put in an honorable mention for someone saying Majestic Thorin. He's like a Maybelline or Garnier Fruchis ad. Well, that's in the movie. That's on the book. <laughs> so, join Caitlin and Rachel. Emmy. As we take you on this unexpected journey. There and back again. <laughs> I see what you all did there. That was very clever. (laughs) All right, so here we are for our first episode on The Hobbit, talking about the first movie, An Unexpected Journey. Yay! Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get started, I want to say, um, like, kudos, I guess, to anyone who managed to make it through our entire drunk episode, because not even us managed to make it through the entire episode. <laughs> we were so done at the end there. Like, I just, oh afterward, God. I was like, we really, like, we skipped everything, everything. that happens to the Silmarils. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. We just didn't even bother. <laughs> We just quit. <laughs> and just so everybody listening knows, the episodes are coming out a week apart, but we recorded that drunk one last night. So how are how is everybody feeling today? We <laughs> a little rough this morning? Uh shockingly not. But I also slept until eleven, so that helped. I had to get up at six thirty. Ew. Yeah. We did, however, have pizza for lunch. Because <laughs> we were like, mm, yeah, that's about where we're at. Yeah, that's fair. But um, we're a little less drunk tonight. I have no and... alcohol. Oh, I have some wine, but I haven't, like, downed half a bottle of sake. Yeah, you know. <laughs> All right, so we've decided previously to watch the movies before getting to those points in the book in order to discuss with sort of guessing with what we remember from the books and shockingly, like, I've read The Hobbit more recently than I've read The Lord of the Rings, but I think I remember more from Lord of the Rings, because I have no memories of The Hobbit. Yeah, I read The Hobbit before the movies were coming out. Um, yeah. Like, that's the last time I reread it, and every time, there are parts I remember clearly, and then there are parts that it's just like... How do I never remember anything? That's pretty much the whole second half of the book, honestly. <laughs> I guess even like before the movies came out, The Hobbit is one of those books that it's kind of minimalist. Mm-hmm. So you you put in stuff that's not there, you know? You're right. I mean, not to the same degree, but The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is also a really good example of that. Because I remember example. stuff from reading that book that my mind just 100% created. Mm-hmm. But I remember it as being in the book. So, 
But this isn't about books. This is about a movie. Yep. I'm just curious. I don't know if we want to mention at the beginning or at the end, just come up with uh, remembering the process of it becoming a movie. Guillermo del Toro fucked us. Yeah, pretty much. Because it took a long time to get these made. I was looking mm-hmm. back over the whole process and everything, and it's like it had been in talk since 2006, but Guillermo del Toro came on in 2008, and it wasn't until the end of 2012 that it finally came out. And somewhere in there, it went from being a two-parter, which everyone was like, okay, I guess maybe. And then suddenly they were like, wait, now it's going to be three. And oh my God, that was still the worst decision ever made. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I wish, I wish we could hop over to the universe where Guillermo del Toro stayed on because it would be interesting to compare with what we ended up getting. Yeah, like, I don't even really blame Peter Jackson because, like, Guillermo del Toro quit, like, really close to the start of production. Mm -hmm. So I think Peter Jackson just sort of had to jump in and be like, well, I guess I'll try to make a movie out of this. Except I don't know if he had... I don't know about the legalities of it, like if he was allowed to use a lot of the stuff that Gar- G- 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 D- that Del Toro had um, mm-hmm. designed and planned and created. I honestly don't know. And I know even before that, there was a whole bunch of crap because Metro Goldwyn Metro Goldwyn Meyer owned the rights to The Hobbit mm-hmm. and wouldn't sell them because it wanted to make money off these movies. So they had to come up with like a MCU Sony. Mm-hmm. Uh, situation yeah and mgm was like in huge financial trouble and everything but i know i was i was rereading and uh guillermo and peter jackson were working on scripts and stuff together okay so i think it was less his name is still on the movie he's in the credits a few times so i know he quit but to a certain extent he was still involved they kept most of his shit yeah Still seems kind of a shitty thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. A lot goes I mean, behind the scenes. That being said, I'm pretty sure he jumped ship for um, uh, Pacific Rim, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad things things went that way. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it sounds like it, would, it was going to be more fairy tale ish because obviously that's what he does, but could have been interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I do, however, have some fond memories of seeing this movie because it came out while I was studying abroad in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things is that I went to see the, uh, it was the first showing of the movie. Cause it was like at noon on a Thursday or Friday. Um, and it turned out that it was a theater that had only just recently been converted to IMAX. And so I saw the first ever IMAX movie in the entire country of Ireland. Interesting. <laughs> so um, it was terrible because of the frame rates and the 3D and everything. Yeah. But I have some really cool posters, by which I mean Richard Armitage's face was on my wall. So I was in England for the release of Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And I was very upset because this meant that like I couldn't go see the movie with all my friends and here in North America, they were doing, like, you could buy super tickets or whatever, where you saw Fellowship, Two mm-hmm. Towers, and then at midnight saw Return of the King. Yeah. Nowhere in England was doing that. And I was so no. upset. 
And so I just like went to see it opening day by myself in some random theater in Southampton, <laughs> which was fine. It was good. Uh, but all my friends got cool souvenirs yeah. from their, their um, Lord of the Rings Day or whatever it was called here. But uh, one of them gave me their souvenirs a couple of years later when they were sort of moving and cleaning out some stuff. They were like, I don't really want this. Do you want it? And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's so, cool at least. But yeah, that is really sad. Yeah. That's my seeing movies abroad story, which is a little, little less happy than yours. <laughs> All right. So what did we like about this movie? Nostalgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The music is fabulous. I love the music, right? Like the... That opening Shire soundtrack, I remember being in the theater the first time it came on and everybody just like grabbed hands. You just grabbed the arm of the person next to you like, oh, we were back. Yeah. Of course, then it was it was weird. Bilbo Baggins was weird. But the music throughout this whole thing was a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, I I still cry every time when it's like Frodo's running off to meet Gandalf and you're like, you never look happy again. (laughs) your life is about to become so hard i'm genuinely curious if um elijah wood just like doesn't age or if there are some special effects involved i think he's keanu reeves a vampire the young the young keanu keanu's apprentice yep i like it Mm -hmm. but also it's hard to tell because everyone in those movies is airbrushed so hard yeah so So hard. hard We're still on the things we like about it, but that's on my things I don't like list. I have um one beef with the music, which is that I feel like Howard Shore didn't do that. Okay, well, this is actually more about the next two movies. <laughs> but in the first one, he introduces this great theme and then he never uses it again. It is not in the second or third movie. The, which theme? the Misty Mountains theme? Yeah. I remember, well, okay, honestly, I don't remember if it's in the second one, but it's definitely not in the third one, because I vividly recall being in the movie theater waiting for it, needing it during these epic dwarf moments, Mm -hmm. and nothing happened. And I was like, what the fuck, Howard Shore? Yeah, I think, yeah, there's there's great music, but I think it's a lot less nuanced. Yeah, I, I remember so clearly in The Lord of the Rings, like the first time you hear the Gondor theme in The Council of Elrond, when... Boromir is talking and it's just like this really quiet you know one instrument thing and then it's a little bit more epic in the extended edition of the two towers and then it's like holy shit epic and returning the king and he did it so well and how it built oh that's it all those little motifs layering on top of each other and building and yeah and i really wanted that in these movies but it didn't really happen yeah but other than that the music was great Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's interesting. I think now we're we're kind of also going on what I remember of the other movies, but it this movie has a lot of problems, but it was at least still sort of the best because then they just get worse and worse and worse and yeah. build on the problems of the first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, all three, maybe not the second one so much, but all three have good bits. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, but the good bits don't justify being two and a half hours long. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah we've talked before about, like, have did we, or did someone else and I talk about, I've talked about, make, like, you could make a semi-decent supercut movie 
yeah, with the good I, bits. I said that too once, where if somebody could just pay me say, for two okay. months or something of work, and I could just edit these into two movies, mm-hmm. and it would be a fucking decent movie. Because the bones are there. They just they just lost it somehow. Yeah. Anyway, we've somehow gone on to the bad already. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We didn't even make it through one item on the good. And Look, Richard Armitage has the voice of an angel. Yep. I think it's on the extended edition DVD that I have, which don't ever watch that. Although the special <laughs> features are good. Where um, I think it's Fran who at one point they were just writing music for the dwarves to sing. And then they were like, oh, wait. And they looked over at Richard or something were like, can, can you sing? And he was like. Yeah, I can sing a bit. And, and then like, just okay, pulls great. out that. Yeah. And then, he just, and then she was like, <laughs> and then he starts singing. And it was the most beautiful singing ever. <laughs> so we have. Can you even sing? Before we spend time on this, can you can you yeah. do this? Yeah. And he just kind of shrugged and was like, yeah, I can sing a bit. And then he, like the most beautiful voice ever enters the room when he sings. Yeah. It was great. Um, we have a soundbar that has an attached subwoofer that it's really, really beautiful hearing that his voice rumbling through that. Yeah. Anyway, I do. I, I appreciate having, um, you know, the music to some of the songs in the book. Yeah. That's one of those things. It's a lot of fantasy books have songs in them and, you know. You're like, I'm not a songwriter. I don't know how to put a tune to this. And it all just kind of becomes like a Gregorian chant. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. In the extended edition of the movie, um, one of the dwarves, I forget his name, obviously, <laughs> sings uh, the Man Over the Moon song that Frodo sings in Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. Hmm. Like, it, it was just nice to hear. Yeah. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Challenge. Can we name all 13 dwarves? No. Dwalin, Balin. Hold on, hold on. I'm writing this down. Dwalin, Balin, Oin and Gloin. Oin, Gloin. Dory, Nori, Ori. Dory, Nori, Ori. Biffer. Biffer, Boffer, Bomber. Boffer. Feely, Keely, and Thorin. Feely, Keely. I think that's it, right? Yeah. That's 13. 13. That used to be a challenge for me. Yeah, 13. (laughs) Go us. Mostly Rachel. Nicely Ooh. done, Rachel. And Gloin is the father of mm-hmm. Gimli, son of Gloin. Gimli, son of Gloin. Yes. Okay. My um, my favorite thing in this movie is the very subtle love story being told of Thorin falling slowly in love with Bilbo Baggins. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And if you don't think that Richard Armitage is giving. <sighs> Fuck, what is that actor's name? Martin Freeman. There we go. Martin Freeman, the same smoldering that uh, that he turned on in North and South. Say that uh, he definitely Yellow Denby Ash, right? I don't know that person's name. I don't know anybody's name. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Literally, though, sometimes he would just be staring at him. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Thorne. Yes. Well, he had to do all of his acting with his eyes because he has that beard and incredibly long hair that takes up most of his face. So his expressions are masked, which leads to a lot of smoldering eyes. Mm. Anyway, I'm eyes. currently looking at a uh, look back at me, Jeff, at this very moment. Which is like the best Richard Armitage in the whole world. Yep. In the snow, 
mm-hmm. and the smoldering and the longing. Okay, this is not a Richard Armitage cast, but it, it might as well be. It might as well <laughs> be. Look, look, this. Oh, thank you for sharing. It's the You're only welcome. redeeming thing about these movies. This is what hey, we're here Elijah for. Elijah Wood was in this movie. He's great too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, only in there um, for five and seconds. aside, he was in this movie for thirty at, seconds. <laughs> at the time this podcast comes out, if anyone hasn't seen Ocean's Eight yet, and you appreciate our talking about Richard Armitage, um. You'll appreciate Ocean's <laughs> 8. Also, if you appreciate Kate Blanchett, who we can talk about at some point, because Galadriel being in this is a little bit My weird, queen. but she's wonderful. Kate, I forever. not had a chance to see Ocean's 8 yet, and if we could all stop rubbing Caitlin's face in it, I'm hopefully going on Tuesday. Awesome. You'll enjoy it. Richard Armitage is in it. <laughs> God, I love Richard Armitage. Anyways... He did well with what he was given. Mm-hmm. He was I hope Peter Jackson was there, like just fall in love with Bilbo, just mm-hmm. fall in love with him. I like. I hope that's the direction he was given. Yeah, that <laughs> that hug at the end. It just it gets mm-hmm. me. See, I want the hug at the end to get me, but it's so overacted. Yeah, I just like Thorin. Because he is given all of the dramatic lines, right? And then he has the backdrop music to make sure you realize this is a dramatic line. It comes off, like, so campy. You know, there was one bit near the beginning where I thought that they kind of married the the campy humor and the serious tone really well. But it was just this one quick bit. And it was the one where Gandalf delivers the golf line. Mm-hmm. But then right away, they're both just like, I think you've made that up. And they laugh about it. And it's like, that's good. Right there. Good. You, you delivered that line from the book. Ian McKellen acted it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And then they immediately were like, yeah, that's a joke. And it was still, it worked, still worked in a serious scene. But that's like the only time that that worked. Yeah. I'd agree with that because that was really fun. Another line that I like that I don't think necessarily works, but pairs like humor into a serious moment is when the wargs are chasing them and Radagast is like, oh, what? I can't remember what type of rabbits he has, mm-hmm. but he's like, I'd like to see them try. Like, they'll never catch us. And that line is always, like, very cute. Yeah. But doesn't quite pull together. And part of that, I think, is because Radagast's character is there pretty much solely for humor. Yeah, I hate that they have Radagast in this like that. It's bad. I don't think it would have been so bad if the emphasis hadn't been on him looking weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's just no reason to have bird shit as part of your costume. Right? And like him going cross-eyed every time he does magic, like those weren't necessary aspects of setting, scene, or characterization. Yeah. They just took me out of the movie. Anything else good? Oh, you said uh, you wrote getting to notice the references. Yes, it was so great. Um, When, um, I think the big two I have. They make a lot of them. Yeah, but uh, they get the swords. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the line is what, these swords were forged in Gondolin. And I literally was like, oh my god, it's the secret, secret place. (laughs) (laughs) And then they refer to Ungoliant when she uh, has her offspring attacking Radagast's house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He calls them the spawn the Ungoliant. But yeah, and that's it. Gl- Glamdrang is uh, Turgon's sword. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, that was cool because that's kind of why we read The Silmarillion is so that we can kind of pick up those things as we keep going through The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I wasn't expecting them in the movie. I also enjoy those things. It is strange to me, although maybe this is um, like covered better in maybe the forthcoming book, The, the Fall of Gondolin, that... Like, there's been no mention of this sword before, and suddenly it's this sword that belonged to the King of Gondolin. Mm-hmm. But, eh. Did we have any theories on what the Arkenstone is? Um, I guess we can get into that in the book discussion, really. Yeah, we kind of, we talked about it previously. Like, is it a Silmaril? Yeah. Um, like, I don't think it is, but. It doesn't make geographic sense, so. but it. It does very much continue on the theme of um, my note here. Fucking rocks. Yeah. There's just so many dudes loving their rocks. Fucks up everything. Yep. <sighs> All right. What didn't we like? We've already sort of talked about a lot of what we didn't like, but what like super didn't we like? like? Everything we do like is very intimately tied to shit we didn't like from yeah. this movie. But um, I feel like the most glaring crime against this film was that they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be like an adult action film or a kid's campy adventure film. And they tried to do both of them very badly. Yeah. Yep. And it didn't really matter what scene was happening. They all lasted too long. Mm -hmm. And the CGI was so glaring in every scene. Yep. Hmm. Like, all of the actors had some CGI effect as a part of their costume, which I think we weren't supposed to notice. But compared to Lord of the Rings, where all of the costumes and makeup were real, like they were actual effects and not laid over the film later, it was just so glaring. Yeah, I think whenever we were sort of up close with Gandalf, I couldn't look anywhere except for the splotches on his face. Yeah. And I would just be like... Did he always have those splotches? Is that just a younger Gandalf thing? Do they go away when he dies? What happens with these? And I was just like thinking about the splotches on his face, mm-hmm. which I don't think Peter Jackson intended. No. But the tonal differences are the worst. Mm-hmm. This movie, this whole series has absolutely no idea what it wants to be. Like a movie version of The Hobbit or a prequel to The Lord of the Rings. It doesn't know and it can't work it out and it's stupid. Yeah. Really everything And by the time we get to um, the goblins, that's like the epitome of all of the different things where it's bad CGI, excessively long and contrived, trying to both make it super serious coming across this guy and like he's going to give you over to Azog, who we'll get to Azog in a minute. But um, and then that stupid it just ends. They're fighting for so long and then it's the unnecessary swinging on ropes and then that stupid riding the uh, bridge thing bridge. down is the dumbest thing I have seen in my entire life. <laughs> Until we get to the barrels. She has a few feelings about it. <laughs> oh, see, I don't like the barrels are bad, but I still, for some reason, like them. It's, I it's so everything bad. else about it's that It's so much longer than it so needs bad. to be, though. These all could have been cut by yes. three hours. Agreed. <laughs> I think what I like about them is that I've seen the special features about how long the actors had to spin in the barrels. And I enjoy that they fucking lived in those goddamn barrels, you know, <laughs> for like weeks. <laughs> That's fair. 
yeah, I that's a future movie. We can discuss that when it hops up. But um, I think they needed to fall on top of the bridge so that they could get to the bottom of the cave and they could run past Bilbo so Bilbo could get, you know, some plot impetus to get yeah. out of of the mountain, which actually that is something that I didn't mention that I really enjoy, but the way they did the riddle scene with, uh, Smeagol was very well done. Yeah. They did a really good job with Bilbo and Gollum. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I thought it was yeah. very funny. And it was a good amount. Again, it was a good amount of nostalgia for the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. with some good hobbits, like Bilbo stuff, I guess. Yeah. And then I just, I, I don't know, at the end, though, then it's like him super dramatically holding the sword at yeah. Gollum's throat while he looks up. And it's like, you're met, it's like beating you over the head with the, like, it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand line. Yeah, I was just going to say, and it's you like, have to remember this scene later. I don't need it to be whacked on my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It was Gandalf that stayed Bilbo's hand, if we're being technical about it. But sure. Anyway, yeah, he should have just Ugh. pulled out his sword, looked at it, thought no, and jumped over him. Done. Mm-hmm. That turns a five-minute scene into a 30-second scene, and we get it. Yeah. And that's it. It it, it happens somewhat in this movie with people saying meaningful things. But in the later ones, I still remember there are like lines that are straight up taken from the Lord of the Rings movies that they give to other characters to try to make you feel that and it just comes off so weird and awkward and awful and painful um, i don't remember it i know when it's, we were yeah. in the council of the wise scene which happened accidentally instead of gandalf being super smart and making it like in the books but whatever fuck that um i really i for a second there i guess i hadn't i hadn't seen the movie in a while so i thought we were gonna get gandalf's good good line i know i thought of, he was gonna do the actual line but then it was like Blah, 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 blah. He makes me feel blah, 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 whatever. Everybody's in love with Bilbo. I was like, well, fuck that. You remember, this was the very important time when it was uh, Sherlock was all the rage and had to have those uh, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch people in your movies. That's true. That was a phase. I really didn't like the, the tension they were trying to create between Gandalf and Lady Galadriel. I felt like all of the elves in the council were way more emotive than they were in any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, I would say that. But I mean, it is also fair to say that Gandalf is more Galadriel's equal than anybody she interacted with in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. We don't see that. In terms of like age and power. They they don't meet in Lord of the Rings because he dies. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I just had that like, but that's. No, they don't. We never yeah. see them together. And I'm I'm curious about why Gandalf shows her so much reverence. Is he is technically a higher being than she is? I think that for that fake romantic tension. Yeah, I think that just gets chopped up to what the viewers know and stuff in the Lord of the Rings things and not getting into Maiar. I guess. I could almost see him giving Elrond more, I don't know if reverence would be the word, but something like that, because he's, you know, the son of Arendelle. Yeah. But that's me. Mm-hmm. God, I'm excited for the Lord of the Rings. Yep. Anyway, speaking of elves, remember how everyone was so in love with uh, 
what's his face uh, as the side elf character in Lord of the Rings, and they were like, "All right, gotta make him a person." <laughs> he had like one line in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets like a name in the Hobbit. Yep. It's great. And <laughs> like I don't remember what that line was. No. Uh, it was I when d- Arwen's going. They're yeah, going. Yeah. No, to I remember the, the scene, right. but I don't remember the line. Um, like maybe. My lady, we know- cannot delay. Yeah, something like that. Um, and I don't remember what his name was in this, but I think it's great that he got one. Yeah, I'm very proud of him. I hope he was just some, like, rando who came out for elf tryouts. No, he's, like, one of the Flight of the Concords guys. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I've never seen I've, it. I feel like I've never seen Flight of the Concords guys without facial hair. I know. So I can't, I can't picture that at all. All right, Google time. Yeah, it's it's Brett McKenzie. Wait, which one is that? Glasses or facial hair? I don't know. Well, they both have facial hair. I can't see this. Like, I just can't. My I brain doesn't. I can't see it. All right, I think it's, yeah, it's yeah, facial yeah, hair. Not... He portrayed Lindier in Peter yep. Jackson's Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. But I'm staring at a picture of him and I can't I see it. Wild, right? It's, it's wrong and it is against... The nature of things. <laughs> and I don't like it. I'm sad we had this conversation. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of sad things, how about we talk about Azog and his existence being awful? So if you don't remember or haven't watched the movie recently, Azog was awful. He served no purpose really for the whole plot um but they drag him out over all three fucking movies mm-hmm. yeah so he's the white uh orc the giant orc um who thorin oakenshield cuts off his arm he's a white orc who found a white warg because of course he did and it has randomly glowing eyes which are just the eyes just add to the cgi awfulness of everything as well as the fake scarring that yeah his cgi body has do you think like like when he was trying to pick a warg puppy like like how did he dive so hard into his look is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) how did (laughs) by being fictional i i know but i like to think about the actual practicalities of this Mm -hmm. like he had to go through so many works to find that one albino one because he had to fucking match his dog like this is the most extra orc that ever existed yep anyway i also realized that this is good it it ties into our question of how long do orcs actually live being descended from elves and Mm -hmm. um it's mentioned um in the uh, Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I have a reading thing up and I'm like, wait, this is dis- uh, distracting me from everything. But because Azog was at the battle of, I can't say the word, it, it, but at Moria. Um, and then it's like 140 years later that the events happen of The Hobbit. And it's like a randomly fictional orc character, but that's super obnoxious. I don't know. <laughs> I found an argument with people, and that's their like the only argument people have about the longevity of orcs is from Azog. And it's like, does this count? I don't think this counts. It doesn't count. We made this I up. Hope it doesn't count. I will say one thing that I do like 
is that they gave Thorin like a really actually kind of cool looking oaken shield. Mm-hmm. Like how he took that, you know, branch or whatever. And like, I liked the way that they designed that. Mm-hmm. And I was real fucking sad when the eagle took him away at the end and left his goddamn oaken shield behind. It's like, excuse me. He needs that. It was like, that's his name now. That's like his second oak shield. Yeah, they're just branches that he just, he just finds keeps picking perfectly up. conveniently yeah. sized branches the length of his forearm and picks them up. I don't think those are actually, you know, shields that people make. More realistically, his sword was laying far away from him when the eagle picked him up, and somehow the eagle managed to perfectly gather it up with the sword, like, lying on top oh, of him in it, him. but yeah, he probably got stabbed even worse by the eagle trying to pick up him and... and um, Fucking Thorondor. Right. To be fair, it was Thorondor's buddy Turgon's sword, so... Hmm. It's important. That's true. Maybe it was the sword that called them. But, you know, Gandalf and his butterflies. I think they're moths. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say at least Gandalf having a connection with the eagles kind of makes sense, since the eagles were created by Manwe and Gandalf is a Maya of Manwe. Mm Mm-hmm. At least there's that. I mean, you you could make up something that makes a more sense than them just randomly showing up. I mean, we're used to convenient eagles. Mm. That's. But I feel like in the past, you know, 7,000 years or so, they've stopped just flying around looking for people to save. Mm-hmm. And have been like, maybe we'll just live our own lives. Yeah. But Gandalf. Anyway, having a singular nemesis worried about wiping out the line of Durin is... Pointless and counterproductive to the story about them just shooting themselves in the foot. That's a much better story anyway, as we just finished reading a book that's about nothing but people ruining their own lives. Yeah. We don't need some random nemesis. Well, it's just like there are so many villains in this book already that they could use. So many things happened. And yeah, it's geared towards children, but don't tell me, like, you couldn't have aged it up if that's the track you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I get way more upset about the line of Durin being killed off than the line of Feanor. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point, this goddamn story, is for the line of Durin to take back their home. And then they don't, and it's really sad. And all three of them die. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's, I hate it. Yeah. And that is what, okay, we're not there yet, but in the book, it's like one line, like, and then they were dead. Yeah. And then it's like an hour of the final movie, which is excessive, but at least, again, Richard Armitage dies really pretty. Yeah. Like that whole last scene in the third movie, I think is ridiculous. I haven't seen it in a while, but from what I recall, it's ridiculous. It's, it's awful. But at least they got some uh, attention paid to their really, like, historic changing for the dwarves' deaths. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Did we want to talk about the weird shit? Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to think of things being different than the books or whatever, if we're supposed to be thinking of that. Um, so much is just adding excess. Um. Uh- I mean, I really appreciated them giving each dwarf very distinctive looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I think 
there probably would have been some temptation just be like, well, these three dwarves all kind of look the same and can pretty much just be one. And, you know, mm-hmm. these three can all sort of look the same. And yeah, I and mean, that's pretty much how it is in the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they should have had more guts and made half the dwarves women, but <laughs> whatever. You know, or at least made somebody female. Yeah. No, instead, you know, we're not going to talk about Tariel. We're not there that yet. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I have no problems with Toriel, but again, mm-hmm. we can save that. I can't really think of anything else. I mean, in the books, the eagles take them to like their home, not just a random outcropping of rock place. Which this is the first time that I've noticed that there was a stairway, which is great because it's been bothering me for years about how the <laughs> fuck they got down from there. <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, yeah, I know. Like the trolls are like two pages in the books. But God, that went on forever. Mm-hmm. But I get that it's that's the theme of this this episode. Yeah. It went on forever. I get that the trolls are like an iconic scene from the book, but but good lord, yeah. Literally, they're they're a plot device. Like the whole point of them is so that they find the hole and get the swords. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the trolls are dumb. Yeah, so much is dumb. All right, weird stuff. Um, if you watch the extended edition of the movie, there is a scene with naked dwarves frolicking in a fountain in Rivendell. You're welcome. No, thanks. What the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> yeah. No. I I do not know. Why would they film that? Why would they put it back in? Why? Yeah. It was so bad. It wasn't even funny. It was just bad. I like that somebody here wrote that Radagast had some very weird moments. I'm like, all of Radagast was really weird. Yeah. Oh, I did love the the line where Gandalf's like, I don't remember the names of these other two wizards <laughs> yeah. because, like, they they don't have names. <laughs> <laughs> the blue wizards. Yeah, that was good. Have we talked enough about um, how Thorin was auditioning for Maybelline? No, I don't think so. Because we also noticed while we're talking about CGI and stuff, like mm-hmm. all of the backdrops were, you know, green screen or CGI'd, and it, the lighting was so weird just so they could light him majestically. Terrible. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is not how nighttime works. It was just like so weird looking, but also he looked majestic. So there's that. It was like they had light shining from above from quote unquote moonlight on their hair, except, you know, it was supposed to be a crescent moon and that's not how light works. But then they also had light shining on their faces from directly in front of them. Anyway, it was awful and it distracted me the entire time. But at least Thorin's hair was blowing in the wind. I mostly just noticed his longing gazes at Bilbo. Not gonna lie. They were real good. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I noticed how greasy his hair got, and but it was still, like, swinging around majestic, but greasy. Still majestic. Yeah. And just those those perfectly artful silver streaks. And those, like, greasy curls at the end. So good. And they swing in, like, perfect curls. No frizz. Nope. Like, his hair is not clean, but you can tell underneath he's used some real good product. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just <sighs> thinking about... Thorin looking at Bilbo. Yeah, I I will admit, when I went into that movie, I did not expect to come out with, you know, that. With Dwarf Hobbit feels? Yes. Going and reading some uh, Bag and Shield fanfic. (laughs) I have never sunk that far. (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't even realize that was their ship name. Yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> there were some really good bits that were really just about like the forming of of the of the company that I thought were just some really good like friendship found family moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sucker for a found family, even if it's super contrived. I will tear up every fucking time. So they're real good. Yep. Yeah. It is. They are. They're good people. Dwarves. Whatever. They deserved a better movie. They did. Yeah. I don't know. I think now it'll be interesting to see as we get to things in the book. How fast they go by. Yeah. How fast they go by. And um, yeah, recall what they did. Do we... I mean, I guess we haven't read yet, but do we like this format of watching the movie before the reading the book? Um... I think so, but, I mean, there are three Hobbit movies, so it's a little difficult. Yeah. No, and I think it's easier then to keep the um, the movie in my head as I read through the book than vice versa mm. to try and kind of bring it back in. And I, I like that this gives us, a like, a buffer mm-hmm. in between books. Yeah. All right. So next week's homework is Chapter 1 of The Hobbit, which is called something. Um, Shit. Is it called An Unexpected Journey or Concerning Hobbits? No, no that's Lord of the it's Rings. An, it's an unexpected party. It's all smooshed together in my head. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Peter Jackson. Chip the glasses and crack <laughs> the plates. Blunt the knives and bench okay, the forks. Okay, okay. Save it, Rage. Save it, Rage. <laughs> that's what Bilbo Baggins says. <laughs> okay, <hates>. okay. <laughs> anyway, I was making sure that this is long enough that, yes, that'll be, I assume, because it's like 26 pages. Yeah, I figure we'll keep Jesus. on with this one chapter a week thing. And see how that goes. And if we find we're not having much to talk about, mm-hmm. we can always do two a week. But I think it'll be fine. Yep. I think it'll be great. All right. Well, if you've liked our different last two episodes, uh, let us know. You can get a hold of us at to read Tolkien on Twitter or email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. Um, if you want to subscribe or rate us or tell your friends about us as we move into this new book. We would appreciate that. And I believe that is everything. So I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.